1: This is the Proud American Podcast, and I'm your host, Johnny Joey Jones. At Fox News, I get to work with some of the most talented analysts and journalists, reporters, anchors and commentators in television news. I'm constantly in awe of their knowledge and experience. But when Fox & Friends Weekend host Will Kane invited me on his podcast a few weeks ago, I was humbled and impressed by his ability to not only get answers out of me on topics I've talked about for like a decade, But it's genuine interest uh, to connect to the things that have happened to me and the person I am today. He could talk to me about losing my legs. And now we're talking about my outlook on life. And I think that's something that's unique for him. Ladies and gentlemen, I think that is a talent and a skill. And it's as rare as it is impressive. So I had to bring Will on my podcast uh, so you could see how much better he is at it probably than I am but more so to talk about his experiences and just share it with you all, because I think he's a pretty interesting guy. So, Will, welcome to the show. What's up, man? I'm glad to be here. No, I appreciate you coming on. You know, I probably don't keep it a big secret, but I'm a pretty big sports fan, and I live in this world to where I'm always learning lessons, just keeping up with sports that I think are important over on the political side. And I've actually been involved with some sports – oriented political commentary almost all of it liberal and they they kind of bring me on or around as their token conservative guy and i don't mind doing it because at least they're opening that door they're not just doing it to kind of beat up on me and um and the more i I learned about you when you first came to fox and i'm like man this guy kind of he knows exactly what that feels like and, and maybe i could learn a thing or two from him and then uh then you come into fox and friends and just kind of blow my doors off with your understanding of actual politics and not just being a conservative in the sports world. And I'm sure you've had a lot of chance to talk about that, but I'd love to bring you on to just kind of share some of that wisdom with us.
0: Yeah. You know, one of my favorite things or what I was most excited about when I went from politics over to sports, Joey is I thought, what a great opportunity to talk to people who don't already agree with me. And I love that. And that's an inherently, I think, I think optimistic worldview because it means, Hey, there's something we can connect over Besides our disagreements, and maybe even we can persuade each other in some kind of rational way. And for a good four years of my experience at ESPN, I felt like that was happening. I went on the supports debate show, First Take, almost every day. And I had like real, visceral, heated, passionate debates with Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman. And I have to think, I have to hope somebody watching at home thought, well, there's my viewpoint. Reflected, at least on this national program, or that's a fascinating exchange and an angle I hadn't thought about. But I will say, Joey, like over the last, I guess it's been a good 18 months now, I do feel like that spirit left. I think that sports is very much dominated by one single ideology and it's become only less tolerant of people with my or your point of view. And the, the sad thing for sports is. We're not some like radicalized minority point of view. We represent, I would suggest, at least half of the country. I think actually much more. And that means sports has no tolerance for potentially 70 percent, 60 percent of their
1: potential audience. Well, and that's, I think that's the problem. I think it's not that um, politics is involved in sports. It's that politics are um segregated in sports, you you either are on the narrative that everyone's on or you're looked at as this kind of heel, and that's really the position they'll put you in and I've seen it. I've seen it happen to you. Um, do you feel like there are honest brokers left that are you know the maybe the micros of the world that just see things from how they affect you as opposed to just the um the political slant they need to have I mean are are those people left in sports? Yes. Those people are left in society
0: first. It's interesting you bring up Mike Rowe, because I don't think of Mike Rowe as like a traditionally political person. And I also don't think of, for example, Joe Rogan as a very political person. And he certainly, if he were political, would have described himself on the right. But what an amazing and and terrifying 18 months we've just been through, whether or not it's racial politics, but probably even more poignantly, COVID politics. We've pushed, I think, the entire center of gravity really far to the left. And maybe it's not a traditional left-right spectrum Republican Democrat. I think it's a little bit of an authoritarian versus individualistic spectrum we might be talking about. But we've pulled that center of gravity so far towards the authoritarian end that people like Mike Rowe and Joe Rogan all of a sudden sound similar to maybe me, who is more openly and honestly conservative in his political leanings. Do those people still exist in sports? They do. But because that center of gravity has been pulled so far left, Joey, they are just honestly terrified. And I know it because they told me behind the scenes, I got the texts, I got the calls. Thank you for saying that. Um, I wish I could say that. And I would say you can, you
1: can say that, but they're afraid it will cost them their job. You know, I laugh and um, this is some of that, like, when I do this podcast, it's a conversation, so it's a peek behind a curtain, but really it's it's an ad- admission that I don't have much of a curtain. I get text all the time from famous actors who send me pictures of me on TV in their green room before they go on set for the TV show or the movie they're making. And on one side of me is like, man, that's kind of cool. I didn't know so-and-so that I'd met in a charity event felt this way, or watched Fox News. Then the other side of me is like, why didn't I know they felt this way or watched Fox News? And I respect everyone. You know, different people have discretion for different reasons. I worked for a famous country music singer, and I know his politics, but he was not loud about his politics, and his reasoning was, I don't want to give someone a reason to not connect with my music. Well, okay, I get that, and I appreciate that but you're also saying I don't want to give someone a reason to not buy my music. So, you know, which one is it kind of thing. And, and with him, I think that it wasn't honest, even if not fully explored, it was an honest perspective, but, but you just, you really just highlighted the same thing that's involved in pretty much every part of American culture now, which is if you're conservative or on the right, you better take a back seat and be quiet about it. And, um, and now I see you are not at ESPN you're at Fox news. And so What was that? Was that, hey, there's not a place left for my voice here? Was that that I can be more effective over here? Not to put you in a corner to talk about your business, but like there's some cultural aspects there, too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, First, here's something I do believe. With what you just described, maybe that country music artist, I do believe there have to be parts of our culture that are free from politics. That was my perspective on sports. I didn't really go into that saying I'm going to bring a conservative prism to sports. That's not my goal. I went to sports to talk about sports. I yeah. love it, man. And I think that's why the audience goes there. When somebody tuned it on ESPN, they didn't say, I can't wait to hear what Will Cain has to say about Afghanistan. Or I can't wait to hear Will Cain give it to Max Kellerman on the latest Donald Trump tweet. No one tuned to ESPN for <laughs> that. But once the other side injected politics so thoroughly into pop culture, then it became important to have all points of view represented. And so, I respect that 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 artist, that country music artist or whoever says, hey, like Michael Jordan, Republicans buy sneakers, too. I'm an entertainer (laughs) and I want to entertain everybody. That's Michael Jordan's famous line. Um, But I respect that. But now that the entire pop culture is dominated by one point of view and overtly, openly political, I do wish more people would be open and honest about what their points of view are. I don't think they have to be partisan. I don't think they have to be Republican. Just stand up for what you think is right. Now, really quickly, I won't belabor it. So why did I leave ESPN and join Fox? And I would say it was a a combination of business and and culture. Uh, The business side is, I'll tell you this, I never thought I was going to leave ESPN. I was pretty happy, again, because I love sports. The pandemic, the shutdowns did hurt Disney very badly. Um, When those parks are shut down, that's a big, big ding to Disney's bottom line. And Disney owns ESPN. So they negotiated for me, but they didn't negotiate as hard as I think they could have if the economy had been different. You bring that in at the same time that the world in my mind is changing so rapidly. This is winter and spring of 2020. And all of a sudden I thought, you know what? I had been talking to Fox a little bit. I had certainly heard their interest. And I started to think, this is too important, man. I got to get into this fight, not just through the prism of pop culture and sports, but I got to get into it directly. Because Joey, look, I'll tell you two things. And I just think there's nothing that tells the story of the last 18 months more than race and COVID. Those two things. And ultimately, I believe at my core in one guiding light, one principle, and that is the principle of individualism. And I just want to respect everyone's choices, allow people to become who they are. And we can talk about what the right character decisions are. You and I talked about that on my podcast. We talked about all your wisdom, but you can't mandate wisdom and you can't mandate character. So the best we can do is allow people to be individuals to find their way. And race over the last 18 months has pushed us into these tribes and erased individualism. And COVID has embraced authoritarianism and suppressed the individual in a way. And I would point you to Australia right now as the scariest, the scariest manifestations of this. But it's embraced the inner authoritarian of everyone. So those two issues yelled at me, screamed at me, go ahead, Will, get into this fight. And it was the right move to leave ESPN for Fox.
1: I I think it was the right move because now I get to work with you, but I I appreciate the kind of understanding the layers behind it. Cause I think a lot of people that aren't involved in media have had to make a similar decision. Like, Hey, this company doesn't respect my values. And that's a big statement. I don't want to assign that to where you were, but this company is not in line with my values or they don't, they're not giving me the chance to exercise my values. This company will. And that really doesn't say a good thing about where we are sometimes. I guess it's good that we have the freedom to make that choice But it's also scary that we're having to make that choice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's even harder as a consumer because I just, you know, I'm no radical man. I don't even think of myself as that partisan or political. I'm just a person that wants to go through the life and live up to the values that I think are important and be free to allow everyone else to do the same. But I don't want to give my money to companies that don't share my values and openly hate me. And I look around and I'm thinking, it's all of them, man. So forget who I work for. How about who I even give my money to voluntarily? But That's yeah. hard. And I've said this before in the air, Joey. I'm a hypocrite. Think I don't order off of Amazon? I still like Nike. I buy <laughs> Nike for my sons. Well, that was my hypocrite. next question. You know, Michael <laughs>
1: Jordan says Republicans buy sneakers too, but do, do they buy Nikes anymore? Is that, you know, is that, <laughs> and is that even where we want to be? I don't consider it to be a hypocrite because I'm, and I don't think you have either. I've not gone on TV and said, hey, don't ever give these corporations your money. That's not my position. I'm, I'm not big on boycotting because I think that you work hard for your money and you should buy what you want with it. But I quit buying Nikes and didn't even realize I did it. Like, you get what I'm saying? Like, I just, it, they, it was Nike's choice to make that check mark synonymous with a message that Colin Kaepernick brought to the world that I vehemently disagreed with. It wasn't my choice, you know. And so it wasn't so much that I didn't want to give them my money. I didn't want to walk around with that check mark on my clothing. And then where does that leave us?
0: Yeah. And here's how that here that here's how that presents itself to you in daily life. So my sons need new cleats to go to soccer practice because I've got a 13 year old that outgrows his shoes. I swear to you every three <laughs> months, every three months, I'm bleeding money on cleats right now. And he goes in and he's like, I like the way these look. And I just haven't crossed the bridge to going. Well, we don't buy Nike. Now, my boys know we don't like Nike, but we still sometimes give money to Nike.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that's right. And, and I'm going to take a break real quick, and then I want to get into the other side, the dad side of Will Kane, because I think that's something we could talk a lot about.
0: From the Fox News Podcasts Network.
1: Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. All right. So right before we took a break, you used your son's sports as kind of an example of how you you really have to kind of uh, maybe not practice what you preach, but understand there's a gray area with everything that we preach because we're human beings and we're Americans. We are consumers by nationality and we're also free to go do things we like to do. Um, I have a 12 year old son and I picked him up from school the other day and he starts asking me, what did he start asking me about? Um, GDP. <laughs> it's like, wow. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, son. What G- uh, GDP? Is that a new game? No, you know, gross domestic product, and, and how does um how does labor fit into that? I'm like, well, first of all, son, who who's talking to you about this? And second of all, did you see what the Braves did last night? You know, and I'm the one <laughs> to wear some politics, but um, but I read a quote um getting ready for this podcast because you and I haven't really known each other very long, and the quote was uh, attributed to you and Will Cain says he wants his sons to be Texans. And I guess it was a part of the reason why he moved to Texas. Where, um, where does that fit into, uh, as a dad, how much does it matter to you that your kids grow up um, with certain influences or in a certain place? Is, I mean, is that going to make, I guess my point is, are we in a place now where we got to move to get our kids where we want them to be around the, the, the thought process and the freedom we want them to have?
0: Man, what a good question and one that makes me look in the mirror and think, have I even made the right move yet, Joey? So you said so many things there um, that I, that I want to respond to. So first of all, we're both talking about our sons and we're talking about sports. And this is just an example of how important sports is to me. It's not just do I make sure I catch the Cowboy game on Sunday or the Longhorns on Saturday. It's literally the language through which I communicate with my sons. And I'm not just talking about language like, hey, did you see the Braves game last night? I'm talking about how we communicate messages of resilience and strength and who you are as a man or becoming a man. Like sports is my funnel through which I pour most of our character building. And my sons probably think dad is obsessed because all he ever talks to us about is his soccer or our soccer or football or whatever sport they're playing, but I'm not really talking about that. And the truth is they know that. And therefore my sermons probably get tedious because they're like, here comes another one. I know this is not really about playing good defense. Um, but this is why sports is so important to me. And surrounding my sons with activities and people that can reinforce that character building is incredibly important to me. Now, when I said it's important to me that my sons be Texans, you know, I mentioned tribalism a minute ago. Right. And I do think tribalism is simultaneously like inevitable thing that we all have and do. And it's part of our nature. And at the same time, we have to reject some of the negative aspects of tribalism, like racial tribalism. But this, again, is why sports is so important, because we get to be tribal in an innocuous way. I can be a Cowboys fan and hate an Eagles fan and the Eagles fan can hate me. And it's a mutual hatred that we agree upon. And we both have fun with it. doesn't, it's not negative. Well, I almost feel the same way about Texas. Like I'm born and raised Texan. What is Texas like objectively? Is it more beautiful than Colorado? No. Is it, you know, is it, um, have as big of an economy as California? Not yet. But Texas has come to represent so much to me about what it is to be a man. Like the story of Texas is is risk takers who pushed into Comanche territory and risked getting scalped and drilled holes in the ground to try to get rich. And every step of the way lived on the edge of life. And to this day is full of people with an entrepreneurial spirit. And I want my boys to live in that environment. So to take this full circle, Joey, you know, I, um, I moved to Dallas. I was born in a small town. I think not unlike you, roughly 30,000 uh, yeah. people an hour away from Dallas, Sherman, Texas. And I live now in Dallas and I'm unconvinced. I'm, I'm fairly new to it, but I'm unconvinced as of yet that my boys will be surrounded with the people you just described that they need to be around because maybe it's not a Texas, Oklahoma thing. Maybe it's not a Texas, California thing. Maybe it's not a Georgia, New York thing. Maybe it's an urban rural thing. I don't know, but I do think it's important to your point to find the people that help develop my son's character.
1: Now, I think you're 100 percent right. Number one, if you move to DFW, you got to know the FW is the better part of those three letters. (laughs) That's just just the truth right now. Uh, But beyond that, um, you just hit on something that I said for years. I kind of quit saying it because. I think I was hurting the feelings of a lot of people that are conservative in cities and I didn't want to turn them away from my message, but there are two American experiences, no matter what state you're in, what the laws are in that state. I mean, you can go to rural California and find the country second amendment loving freedom fighters that you find in the majority of the land in Georgia. And it's that rural and urban experience. And I always try to use this not as a divider, but as a connector. And what I try to tell people is look, man, No matter how you feel or believe, if you grew up in a city to where your neighbors were 10 feet away, not 10 miles away, to where you had to lock your door and the two doors you passed on the way to the elevator, the stairs had to be locked, too, because you don't know those people because they're in and out. There's a thousand of you in this building. Your relationship with the government is going to be so much different. Your relationship, you know, when someone first told me that sports were fully ran by, by their city and, and that it wasn't connected to their elementary school. I was like, wait, what? Like I was a Donville tiger. Like we were a community. It's just so much different of an experience. And that's not to diminish that urban experience, but I have to understand it. If I'm going to try to convince those folks that even if they don't want to live like me, it's worth preserving the way I want to live.
0: Okay. So this is an interesting conversation. I'm in on this. So Um, here's what a rural experience offers that I think sometimes you cannot get in the urban environment. And I've lived in both. I lived in New York city on the upper West side for 15 years. It's that sense of community. So you don't turn to the government as a way to solve your problems. You turn to the community, the church, when someone dies, the entire community turns out at their house to bring food. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen in urban environments, but I'm saying that's deeply ingrained to the rural Experience that there is a strong, strong sense of belonging to a community, and I think that's very important for us. Now, I will say this because I don't want to paint it like small town America is true America and urban America is fake. I don't believe that, but I no, think, exactly. and and I think on the other side, having lived in New York, that if you grow up in a place in an extremely urban environment, you have such exposure to humanity. You see all these different kinds of people. And I'm not just talking about people with differences. I'm talking about people who are good and people who are bad. You have to learn how to deal with life when it can seem like it's a zero-sum game. So my friends that grew up in New York are more wary of other people that they run into. (laughs) And they're not wrong always. You know what I mean? They're right sometimes. And they know how to be confrontational when the other person is approaching you in a confrontational way, where we small-town people are a little bit like, hey, man, what's the problem here? You know, we're all kind of in this together. Yeah, But I think there's a mix to be learned there. But I definitely think community and that sense of belonging is important. And it's partially why we probably have high depression rates. And I'm going I'm to switch the topic real quickly because this touches on what you and I talked about in my podcast only a little bit. And we probably don't have time today to go deep. But I asked you on my podcast, has your entire experience, Joey, made you more or less religious? And I think you told me less so. And I'll tell you, I'm in my mid-40s and I'm on a path of traveling, I'll tell you, closer to God. I am looking and I am exploring my faith and I'm realizing the importance of this tied into this idea of community. And I think that's one way that we can cross this span, this bridge, this gap between urban and rural, rich and poor, disconnected and connected, is that ultimately we have to find values in a common place. And I'm I am trying to move in the direction of a
1: deeper faith. Well, and and I think I'm going to respond to that just because it's important. And I think a lot of people feel this way and a lot of people don't feel empowered to say it. I'm more my faith is stronger and my belief in religion is is weaker. So I have uh, I have more faith in the people in the congregation and the god we're there to talk about than the person sometimes holding the bible walking around on on stage. That's just where I'm more skeptical of of, of the religion because, well, there's a couple of reasons, but ultimately I got an education in biblical literature and I, and I just learned more and now to a place where I want the person teaching me to know they, I want to know that they have had a similar experience and can talk in the, the terms that I want to understand things. But I think what you really hit on, because I always tell this anecdote when I got blown up, this Marine got up to me and I said, Hey man, let's say the Lord's prayer. And we were like our father who art in heaven with liberty and justice for all, and I say that (laughs) just just because neither one of us knew the Lord's prayer because we weren't really going to church every Sunday in Afghanistan, but when push came to shove and my life was on the line, which it truly was, that was still an important part for me, even though The rest of it wasn't. And so I always try to be honest with people like you asked me where I am. So, listen, I have not given up on God or Christianity, but I I do not go to church every week because I don't feel comfortable there yet. And so that's just who I am and where I am. I'm honest about that. Um, And so I I wanted to hit back on something real quick before we I've got something at the end of this. I want to do with you because you are a sports guy for a little while and I'm going to have some fun with it. Um, but we talked about this inner city and urban experience. You talk about how you've had experiences. Sure, you've had experiences there. And you touched on Texas. And I always tell people I lived in Texas for three years. You've been an idea of living in Texas. I bought a house for $400,000 in 2014, and it just went on the market for $980,000. And dude, gosh. They didn't even paint the walls. It's the exact same house. I sold them. That's the market. If you don't think people want to live in Texas, people want to live in Texas. Um, But I think it's because people are happy there because they've done such a good job keeping an economy. And I think at some point, like that matters. Like if you got money in your pocket, you can be a little happier and Texas has done a good job with their citizens that way.
0: You know what, man, I think, and it's, isn't exclusive to Texas, but I had a buddy that used this term. He used it loosely. He goes, everybody's moving to the free states. It's almost like our country is dividing into the free states and the lock states Um, and Texas and Florida. And, and I would assume Georgia, I know Georgia are seeing population influxes and it's because people enjoy being free, no matter what you see on cable television. And no matter what outsized influence social media really makes us think the world is like the truth is People like living free and unafraid.
1: That's exactly right. And that's a great way to, I think, end it. But there's a lot more we talk about. Maybe I'll get you back on. But right here at the end, I want to talk about sports. I'm a big college football fan. Uh, the NFL, I mean, I'm from Georgia. So what you know, I've had two Super Bowls to cry over and I actually watched one of them. I'll tell you my my Super Bowl in Houston story. I was not at that Super Bowl because the Falcons were in it. I was there for work with that country music singer. And being the benevolent, amazing guy he was and knowing I was a Falcons fan, he gave me some tickets like the day of the Super Bowl. So I take my buddy Nate Boyer there who played in the NFL for like a day. And we sit down and at halftime we're leading this thing at 28 to 3. And I'm like, you know what, we're going to win this. So I get up and I go spend more money than I spent to get out there on T-shirts and souvenirs. Like if you – my third cousin had a T-shirt in these three bags I brought back. Like I was going to, you know – by the time I get set down and start drinking my big gulp Pepsi, we're losing. And I'm like, what <laughs> <laughs> What just happened? To this day, all those T-shirts, I brought them home. They're in the bottom of my closet, still in the bag, still the T-shirts on them. I didn't give a T-shirt to anybody. I don't even want to look at them. And that sports though, right? Like, I mean, just to have that roller coaster of emotion in five minutes, it felt like.
0: Yeah, that has got to be one of the most excruciating losses in, you know, Bill Simmons used to write a column like levels of losing and he'd rank the different ways to lose. I can't remember what his different tiers were, but that has got to be one of the worst ways, if not the worst ways. And by the way, I didn't know you're buddies with Nate. I'm buddies with Nate as well. We share that in common. But uh, Nate's the Longhorn he used to carry the flag out before every Longhorn game. Um, and Nate and I don't agree on everything to your point earlier, of, yeah. you know, interacting with people um, that disagree with you. But I would never question Nate's character, obviously. Um, And I would enjoy those conversations of disagreement. But 28-3 to and losing it, my closest corollary to that is the Dallas Mavericks up 2-0 in the 2006 NBA Finals. And in the third quarter of the third game to close out, up like 15. And they lose to the Miami Heat. And it's when you can taste victory. It's when it's right there. Texas Rangers in 2011, one strike away from winning the (laughs) World Series, twice twice in the same game, one strike away, and ultimately lose to the St. Louis Cardinals. That's the
1: worst kind of losing. As a Braves fan, first, I'll say thank you for Ron Washington. We love him. We don't ever want to lose him. And secondly, <laughs> I, I agree with your hate for the Cardinals because they have ruined a few seasons for us. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'll leave you with, college football is a, is a I think a political like kettle pot right now I think there's so much we could we could have just had a whole podcast about the changes in college football and how that's driven by changes in society uh, But to be a little bit lighter about it, I guess the Texas Longhorns are tired of being fourth, fifth sixth in the big 12 the seventh eighth ninth <laughs> in the SEC uh, how long will it take the Longhorns uh, to uh, win an SEC championship?
0: Okay, well, right now we're scheduled to join in 2025, which I imagine is going to come sooner than that. Yeah. Um, we're looking at this being the 2021 season. Let's say we join by 2023. Yeah. That's two years away. Texas will win the SEC
1: within a year or two of joining the SEC. Oh, wow. You just went straight <laughs> for it, didn't you? You don't mind. You, you've been dragged enough. You can say something like that. Who cares, right? Here's,
0: here's, here's my <laughs> entire premise. Here's my entire premise It's baked on one huge assumption that Steve Sarkeesian is the legit real (laughs) deal when it comes to Longhorn's coach. Joining the SEC will allow Texas to lock down recruiting in this state, which is his best high school football in the country in Texas. So we'll have the recruits. We might have Arch Manning, uh, Peyton Manning's (laughs) nephew, as our quarterback. And by that time, I feel confident maybe Nick Saban has lost his fastball or will have retired, and then it's a free-for-all in the SEC between Texas, LSU, Georgia.
1: That's the common denominator there, is is Nick Saban still around to ruin it for you. All right, last question on this topic. I'm a big Georgia Bulldogs fan. What what will happen first? Will the Georgia Bulldogs win a national championship or will the Texas Longhorns win an SEC championship? Oh, that's a good question. You know, Joey, I would say it was a year or two ago
0: on the Will Kane show on ESPN. I projected that the next great college football dynasty would be the University of Georgia. I said Kirby Smart was the real deal. You had the homegrown recruits. Same story I just painted for Texas could apply to Georgia. It hasn't manifested because of what we just said, because of Nick Saban. I mean, the... The undertaker of, of college football coaches, put more of them in the grave than, than any yeah. great disease. Um, I will say on this, I will bet that Georgia will win a national championship before Texas wins the SEC championship because I'm going to give you a two or three year head start before we join the
1: SEC. That'll work. That'll work. If that, that makes me happy because you did predict Texas winning the SEC by like 2027. So if we can get a national. <laughs> by the 2030s, I'll, I'll feel pretty well vindicated. I'll be young enough to still celebrate it. I'll be pretty happy about that.
0: (laughs) Just for the record. I think I said by like 20, I'm going to (laughs) put, I'm going to put it at 2025. How about that? 2025, Texas SEC champ.
1: Hey, look, man, you, you keep your head in the clouds and it's looks like I'm probably going to join you with the Georgia prediction. So I appreciate it, man. All right, man. Well, man, I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast before we, uh, shore this up? Is there anything you want people to go check out or learn about? Is there a way to keep up with you? Fox and Friends Weekends, uh, Will Cain Podcast, what else you got? I am Will Cain on Twitter. See Will Cain on
0: Instagram. I'm on Facebook. And come hang out with me three times a week on the Will Cain Podcast here at
1: Fox News Podcasts. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. It's important to get along with the folks you work with. But when you have the opportunity to make a friend out of a colleague or find a connection bond the nine to five, it's life enriching and something to be proud of. Will Cain is an important voice at Fox News, and now he's also a good friend of mine. I'm grateful to work with proud Americans like Will Cain. To hear more stories like this, visit foxnewspodcast.com and be sure to check back next week for a brand new Proud American story. I'm Johnny Joey Jones. Thanks for listening.